0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a fifteen hundred dollars first bet offer on your first wager.
1: Uh, you are now tuned into anything possible, the most honorable, the most. Like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital. Like Antoine when he shimmied after shots
2: went through. So Welcome to team gonna be sad and... Anything
1: That's Funnable, the
2: Boston Celtics podcast here on The Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packer, professional sports fan. Some are calling me Finals Jam. And I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic working on no sleep. That's right. The kid has not fallen asleep after game four of the NBA finals. He's got flight issues. He's got articles coming out, but we are joining you after the Celtics drop game four to Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. And I think it's appropriate that we separate out those two Steph Curry Scored 40 points in game four, knocked down seven threes. 43 points. I'm sorry. I shortchanged the man. He was absolutely phenomenal. And the Celtics' fourth quarter offensive struggles return. They had, uh, I think, a six-point lead with seven minutes left in this game and then just did not score points for pretty much uh, the rest of the game save for One insane Marcus uh, Smart (laughs) 3. They really didn't score points for the rest of the game. They had one Marcus Smart 3. That was just kind of a bailout on a bullshit opportunity. And then Al Horford hit one three in the corner, and that was it for them.
3: That was it. They did did not make a two-pointer over the final seven minutes and 32 seconds of the game. They... Just Their offense just crumbled, as it has a lot of times in a number of key situations during this playoff run. I feel like they're the most hit-or-miss team in that regard. It's either they're playing good basketball or they are just throwing turnovers having scoreless droughts, going to stagnant isolations. And it is really their offense (laughs) for a really good offense. It has some, some moments when it just totally falls apart. And this is now the third straight series. They have lost a huge game at home. A huge game at home because, at least partially because of offensive issues and the fourth quarter scoring six points over the final 7-32. And you've got to give Stephen Curry as much credit as humanly possible. He was incredible. He hit ridiculous shots. He controlled the game. He kept the Warriors close in the first quarter when the Celtics looked like They were going to really run away with things. He was just stellar, as stellar as stellar gets. But but man, the Celtics really lost a good opportunity to take full control of the series because in the fourth quarter, they just could not score points.
2: Yeah. I think you also have to give credit to, I think primarily Clay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins. It's like they, they took a lot of threes. The Celtics did in that stretch, but that's not for a lack of trying to drive and get into the paint. I just thought Clay and Wiggins did a damn good job on Tatum and Brown on those drives. And there's just was not a lot of room to operate there in the paint. And I think we saw in game three and at some earlier points in game four, the Celtics, uh, especially those two guys, were at least able to get some looks at the rim, but in the fourth quarter, they really the Warriors really stepped up their defense. It was also interesting. Draymond Green was not on the court for uh, the majority of that stretch, uh, that kind of like s- that first six minutes where they couldn't score. It was Kevon Looney, Wiggins, Clay Thompson, Steph and Jordan Poole, and the, the Celtics. They're off. like just everything slowed down, uh, and when the game kind of slows down to just like half-court basketball, um, it does not bode well for the Celtics. Just like they, it, they're so much better when they're playing with pace, when everything's moving. But they just, uh, it was just isolations, and it was just like all right, or it was uh, it was like waiting, you know, till there's like eight seconds left in the shot clock. To see if Jason Tatum can get better post-up position, that's one of their specialties. Yeah, that was a that was another like so. It was it was both both isolations and just kind of like waiting around trying to get Tatum uh, the matchup he wants, and then the Warriors doing a really good job fronting, and then it's like, all right, well, I guess Derek White has to take a three now. Um, so a lot of just bad offensive possessions, but I think you have to give the Warriors credit because in Game Three. They were letting up a lot of drives. The Celtics, I think, points in the paint where it was uh, a lot, and that just like they kind of really siphoned that off in Game Four, especially late, where I thought the the pit like it's not. I didn't think the Celtics were necessarily settling for threes. I just thought the Warriors did a really good job of keeping them out of the paint. Yeah, they did a
3: a much much improved job in that fourth quarter compared to what they were like in Game Three. The, I thought Clay Thompson defensively just found something inside himself. <laughs> he has not been able to move the same way he used to move throughout this series since coming back from his two devastating injuries. And he was able to keep Jalen Brown in front of him. He was able to keep Jalen Brown from getting easy opportunities. He forced Jalen into, like, some bullshit runner one-legged joint that just probably should not have been shot at all. He... I just thought Klay Thompson... Like, that was sort of a heart-of-a-champion type game from him. Um, and... Steve Kerr's decision to go without Draymond Green for a while was obviously probably the most important decision of the game. And the Warriors were still able to get stops. Like without Draymond Green, who's when healthy, one hundred percent right, the best defensive player in the game they were still able to hold the Celtics basically scoreless for a key stretch of the fourth quarter. And I just felt like the Celtics didn't attack right um, throughout the whole fourth quarter. Like there were a couple of possessions early on where
2: they were just trying to ISO Nemanja Belitza. <laughs> Which I, understandable instinct. I get the instinct. You see B-Elites out there, you think, man, we should probably be able to get past this guy. But
3: he's a dude who, if you get him in a closeout situation, like, he's slow-footed. You can probably take advantage of him. If, If you get him going around a screen, like, he's probably totally fucked. But if you try to just ISO him, and he can give you, like, a little bit of space, and he can take the right angles then he's not the one to hunt. Like, he's really not that bad a defender in that particular situation. And he's done a pretty good job on Jason Tatum throughout this series. And I felt like that was when the Celtics started to attack the Warriors in a way that wasn't necessarily beneficial. And you, people may call me crazy for thinking like going at Nemanja Belizzo is a bad idea, which maybe, maybe that's true, but I just felt like stagnating the offense to go at a guy that has held his own in that type of situation, just kind of sent the Celtics down the wrong path over the fourth quarter. And, and I just felt like from there on, they just did not have a great offensive mindset. And I I don't trace it back to just going out into Miami. At least obviously, that, <laughs> that, that's not like, it's not like they went at him and it was like, oh, my God, we forgot how to play basketball. But I, I do feel like they weren't playing with the same mindset. And honestly, it was like the whole game. Like the first quarter, they could have been up 10, 15 points right away and it was turnovers it was wasted possessions um i think ime udoka said it he's like every time we got a five or six points we just made bad decisions and it was like that the whole game whenever they got up a little bit it was like stupid stupid stupid
2: yeah i there's a stretch at the, the start of the fourth quarter where i think brad stevens must have been fuming because his guys were swinging for the fences instead of just, you know, taking that outside pitch and popping it over the second baseman's head and hitting singles, like they got up six. White hits a three in the corner. Tatum hits a sidestep three, um, and then it's like Peyton Pritchard tries to hit a three from deep to like put him away. Jalen Brown. I didn't. I thought that it was shot. it was okay because it's Peyton Pritchard and like that's what he does make buckets. But then coming down the next time it was a Jalen Brown kind of jacked up three and uh the, and the Warriors just kind of like get back into it. But I agree. I think the, the turnovers, they weren't as bad late because um, they were just too busy uh, jacking threes, but they still were up around 15 and you're right. Just like dumb pass, like Tatum had a stretch of just like some bad passes, some dumb passes um, passes to no one. He had one of those. Uh, Derek White was like they were unable to capitalize when they were creating turnovers just like some bad passes in transition I just thought it was like a generally sloppy game where they they were never really able to, to create any distance like you said, like anytime they got up six they kind of messed up and I thought they played a damn good defensive game it's just Steph is fucking Steph man, like if you look at his seven threes I'm pretty sure all 7 were pretty tightly contested. He's just phenomenal and I thought he'd He's a joke. He's a joke. He, Absolutely. He's joke. just like the, the and he's just like a backbreaker because I thought there were so many instances where the Celtics played amazing defense for 22 seconds of the possession or for the full possession and then just the the, the Warriors were able to get an offensive rebound and get another shot. But I thought the Celtics just like you can just see how much work they're putting in on the defensive end. And it feels like there's a lot of times where they're just not rewarded for that either by uh, offensive end or Steph just being a joke. Like it's just the Celtics can work and work and work and they just cancel it out because it's like, oh, Steph has a foot of space. It's just like
3: there was that one play when Gary Payton, the second, caught the ball in the corner. And you can see the Celtics' defense just, like, exhale, right? (laughs) Like, (laughs) a non-shooter caught the ball. Like, we are Gucci. Let's just fucking chill. And then then that lasted, like, half a second. And then they realized, oh, shit, Steph is running to the corner. And you could see Grant Williams, like, try to recover, but just wasn't in time. And Steph ran around Payton and caught the ball, and hit a three. And it was like, oh, man. You could just see them be just deflated in that moment. Like, you could literally see when Gary Payton caught the ball. They were like, all right, cool. (laughs) I I reacted
2: going, like, fine, let him take that. And I was like, oh, here's the relocation. And And then all
3: of a sudden, Steph is sprinting out to the corner, and they're like, oh, my God. We fucked up. And... And that,
2: we didn't know he could do that.
3: <laughs> that's kind of how it goes against Stephen Curry. And I think, honestly, what he's done so far in the series through four games against the best defense in the league, which, like, Giannis was incredible in the second round, and the Bucks could not score in the half court. They had no prayer of scoring in the half court. Jimmy Butler was insane in the Eastern Conference Finals for four of the games, five of the games, whatever it was. The Heat had no prayer of scoring in the half court. Steph, it's not like the guys around him are great threats. Like, Klay Thompson can shoot the hell out of it, obviously. But they're playing two guys in Looney and Draymond Green who can't shoot anything but layups. That's it I guess Looney didn't start, but those are, like, two of their most important players. Jordan Poole is, like, Tyler Hero Jr., you know? Like, it's not, it's not like he's some spectacular creator. He, he's a talented scorer. He's he's certainly a threat, but it's not like he's, like, really helping them win games. although he had a pretty good stretch, especially early in Game 4. But Steph is just dragging them, and Steph is so good by himself that they're able to score in the half court in a way that those other teams didn't manage against the Celtics. He's been absolutely ridiculous. It's stupid how good he's been. And you could tell, like, early on, whether it was because they were down 2-1, whether it was because... The crowd was crazy and chanting, fuck you, Draymond, and all that stuff. He had a little bit of extra to him in that game. And man, he was just devastatingly good. Like, just incredible.
2: And it it, he's, it wasn't just he's threes. Hell. It he's was hell. It wasn't just threes. It's like attacking the basket. Uh, Floaters like well you got like Rob Williams on him. That stretch in the fourth quarter where the Celtics I think were up two, 94, 92 and Robert Williams was like full on limping. Um, I think it led to Clay Thompson three and then it was just like all right we're gonna isolate Steph Curry against the limping Robert Williams and he just like toyed with him for four to five dribbles before hitting like a very easy floater. But he was being like doing that pretty much to everyone. I think like the Celtics made some adjustments. They we saw Horford switch out onto him on one possession, I actually forced a long two. I thought Horford did a good job there, but I thought Steph, it's just it's not just the three point shot. i yes, the three pointer like creates a threat of everything else and makes makes everyone close out hard on him and makes his driving. But I just thought his his decision making, his two pointers, this mother, this dude hit a 22-foot bank shot. Like, just like, the disrespect and just the amount of uh, cojones it takes to attempt a bank shot from that distance, uh, it just shows his skills. And he was he's just been... The scout turned around
3: after that and was like, did, did he just bank in a three on
2: purpose? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, sort of. It wasn't a three. It was basically one step within the, the three-point line, and he banked it in on purpose. It was, it was ridiculous.
3: Yeah, he was – I mean, he's been special this whole series. It's just been insane. Um, but – and I thought, okay, so early fourth
2: quarter, he throws just one of the worst turnovers ever. I think that was like his third like, uh, like attempt at something like that, that game. That was just the first one that really punished him. He throws
3: for being – Just it. an abominable – he threw some bullshit over the head. Like, I don't even know if he was looking,
2: just flip past. And for Jaylen him being Brown, one of the best scorers ever, he throws – he does that a lot. And Jalen Brown was like, oh, cool.
3: <laughs> Jalen Brown goes in and finishes the and one. Marcus Smart does a Marcus Smart thing and gets fouled on the rebound of a shot that didn't even have a rebound. And so the Celtics go up five. And I thought this is where the Celtics really screwed up because the next play, Tatum blocks Curry. And I think Looney got the rebound and couldn't convert. And then Looney, like, crashed to the ground. And I wrote about this in my story, but the Celtics, like, Looney's on the floor. Jalen Brown has the ball. And the Celtics aren't thinking, let's run. They're thinking, we're up five. Let's milk the clock. Whatever they're thinking.
4: Yeah,
2: I, I have in my notes for that possession. Tatum misses short after dribbling around for 22 seconds. Yeah, pretty much. But, but even before that, like,
3: nobody ran. They had numbers. Looney was on the ground. They had momentum. Tatum has just blocked Curry. The Celtics have just had an and, basically an and one. It was a weird and one because the other guy shot the free throw. But they don't run. And and they were so good at running earlier in the game, pushing the pace, getting easy buckets, and and having a purpose there that when they didn't late in the game, it was just obvious. And I I thought, like I was watching at that point, I was like, oh, they really screwed up. Like they have decided to take the foot off the gas. And you could see like Marcus Smart went back to the outlet pass and Jason Tatum just stood there. Like he wasn't running the lane. Jalen Brown gave up the ball, he didn't run the lane. Derek White was kind of up, up ahead of everyone, and he's just like trotting, just, just not even worried about putting pressure on the defense. And they come down, and by the time they get into their set, like half the shot clock is gone, and Tatum ends up settling for some BS step back that he airballs over Stephen Curry, and it was all because they just decided not to run. Well, and that. I thought that was – because that's at five. You got the momentum. You can push it forward. If it had gotten to seven, if it had gotten to eight on that possession, who knows what would have happened. Instead, you know, they, they kind of set the tone for the rest of the fourth quarter with just the, the idea that they'd be okay with trying to run clock and get something at the end of the shot clock. And that's not going to work against the Warriors. They're too smart.
2: And, like, it, it might work if Jason Tatum's in Game 6 in Milwaukee mode and can play one-on-one and can knock down shots and can just, like, do mid-range pull-ups or floaters or, you know, have any sort of, like, kind of an offensive takeover in this game, Jason Tatum just did not have it going. Uh, he was 8 for 23, 4 for 8 from 3. He only ended up with 23 points. But he just did not look comfortable scoring the basketball in the paint. Um, a lot of, like, kind
3: of those. He's 14 for 51 inside the, the three-point
2: arc this series and he just hasn't looked just great. I thought there's some moments at the end of game 3 where he had some of the nice kind of high off the glass layups but the kind of the shots that I he's you, you're used to seeing him hit kind of the easy two-point jumpers or the ones where he drives and spins back and fades away he just did not look like he was himself uh and it's just like, if the if the offense is going to just slow down for the Celtics and just become all about isolations, you're pretty much just asking Jason Tatum to score individually. And it felt like they had a few possessions where it's like, all right, we're going to just try to isolate Tatum, and see what he can do. And they realized after two or three possessions, that didn't work. And then they uh, said, all right, Jalen, it's your turn to isolate. Let's see what you can do. And that also didn't work. But... I don't know the exact reason for Tatum's struggles, but he it did feel like he was kind of missing some shots, uh, especially for like the the mid range that you would like you've seen him make a, a number of times. But it's going to be really hard for the Celtics uh, to win if he Tatum just continues to kind of no show, uh, especially late in games. Yeah, and I thought
3: that play in the fourth when he made a great backdoor cut to totally lose Wiggins. And it was just Clay down low. And Clay was, like, not late getting there, but, like, on the tardy side. And Tatum just didn't power through him to the rim. He did some kind of, like, spinning finger roll, and it was almost like he he wanted to foul to draw a foul and he, he ended up like crashing into the sideline. It's like just go finish, man. Like you're way bigger than Klay Thompson. You are more athletic than Klay Thompson. You have a longer wingspan than Klay Thompson. Like just go up and finish. And don't worry about getting a foul. And I, I just think like, he has to be better. And I think he's been good in some ways throughout this series. Like he had, he's, he's been rebounding. He's been, I think he's averaging like 7.8 assists during this, this series. Um, He's had some turnover issues, but like, for the most part, the biggest issue with him has been he just hasn't been able to score inside the arc. 14 of 51, that's 27.5% from inside the arc against a team that's very small and doesn't really have shot blockers. Like he, he just needs to be better. He needs to be sharper. He needs to find ways to attack this defense that is going to send a ton of help to him and is going to stunt and make him uncomfortable and do all the smart things that teams do to kind of keep you off balance. Like, he just needs to figure that out. And I think he's been great at doing that throughout this playoff run. It's felt like every time he has a game or a stretch of games where you're like, what's going on with Jason Tatum? He then comes out and has just a monster game. And maybe he's due for that. But the Celtics could really use it if he is. Because now there are three games left in this series tops. And the Celtics need to win at least one on the road. In Golden State against a super proven champion team with Steph Curry, who's playing some of the best basketball of his life. Like, that dude is just ridiculous. And... Like it's not going to be easy to go into to Golden State and walk away with with a victory. I think the Celtics are going to need a big Tatum game in one of those games at least to to come away with this series. Like if if he continues averaging like twenty two and a half on thirty four point eight percent shooting, it's not going to work. They're not going to work. He needs to be more efficient, like he said. And, and he needs to figure out ways to score at a higher clip against this defense that is selling out to stop him.
2: He just needs to. At some point, and, the Celtics just need buckets. Like the defense, I think, has been pretty solid. I think they're going to hold the Warriors to around 100 points. But they need to... They need to score more than 100 points. Some would say, um, and neither Jalen or Jason Tatum really gave it to uh, them tonight. And at some point, Jason Tatum needs to be like the the best player on the team and and go out there and put up put up a big number because the def- like the team defense has been phenomenal. Even with Steph scoring 43, I still think the Celtics did a, a very good job on the defensive end. They just couldn't get anything going on offense. And at some point, they just need to like put up a, a crooked number. How much do you think like their success, um, I guess we can focus in on Game 5, is dependent on how, much, uh, how Robert Williams' uh, knee is feeling? Because I thought Robert Williams had an amazing first quarter. Amazing, actually, just like first half but then was not as effective down the stretch, was obviously hobbled there in the fourth quarter. Ime left him in for kind of a, a point where it looked like he was, like, just absolutely limping, and the Warriors scored five straight points. Yeah, he'd already asked for a, for a sub at that point. So, what, like, let's talk about that first. Well, do you criticize Ime there for not taking a timeout and getting him off the game? Because literally they scored four, five straight points directly. It was a clay three... Where Robert Williams couldn't close out close out in time. See, I didn't think the clay I didn't think the clay three was on him.
3: Because both Tatum and Brown went to steph in that play. And he was the guy that was closing out to Clay at the end of it. But I felt like he wasn't the one who was totally at fault.
2: I I don't necessarily think he's at fault. I just think he's like uh A fully healthy Robert Williams. He was certainly compromised at
3: that point, yeah.
2: A healthier Robert Williams is going to close out. And the next one is just Steph isolating on on him and just like Robert's just like, all right, I can't move, but you're not going to hit a three-pointer. And so he just stepped up and it was like a very easy floater for Steph.
3: Yeah, and and that part was especially obvious that he wasn't moving right because when he is moving right, he's – maybe the best big man in the game, probably the best big man in the game at jumping and then working his way back into a play. And on that play, he like went for a head fake and then just kind of gave up and just said, my body can't do this anymore. And Steph just walked into a floater. And... Yeah, that's a big issue if if Robert Williams can't be healthy in the next game. I'm not going to say he's not going to be healthy because I feel like he's had a bunch of these moments where it's like, oh, Robert Williams doesn't look great. And then a few days later, he comes back and is just bouncing around. He has been healthier throughout parts of this series, and that's been a huge, huge deal for the Celtics. That first quarter, he was unbelievable. He was grabbing
2: rebounds he was the the pass passes over the top he was yeah the pass the pass on the roll to find Robert Williams in the corner was amazing Grant Williams but yeah <laughs> yeah
3: it, it was I mean that whole first half he was just doing things that reminded you that when Robert Williams is a hundred percent, they're just totally different and I don't think. We've seen him at 100%, probably the whole playoffs. Um, but that first quarter was like as close to full the full Robert Williams experience as the Celtics have probably seen this whole playoffs. And he was great in the fourth quarter of Game 3, and he's been off and on great in parts of the series, in parts of this playoffs. But... That first quarter was just like, oh yeah, <laughs> that's what Robert look, Williams looks like when he can bounce around and do whatever he wants. And uh, so yeah, that's all up in the air now. We'll we'll see. I mean, I didn't see when he tweaked it. I didn't see exactly what happened. Um, I didn't see. I don't know whether it will be something serious. Emi Odoka kind of said like, yeah, I don't even, I didn't even hear about it. Acted like it was no big deal. Um, But we'll see that his health has obviously been a question mark, a major factor, a kind of up and down experience for the Celtics for the last few weeks now. Like when he's right, it's obvious when he's not right, it's obvious. And, Either way, it's like a big swing variable for the Celtics,
2: and it just changes like how like flexible the Celtics can be with their lineups. Like he's healthy at the end of Game Three, they can go with two bigs. And I don't necessarily think that's the the long term solution, or like the, you're going to run that for a lot of minutes. But I definitely thought that helped the Celtics on the glass uh, in Game Four is where it's like, all right, you I you just can't afford to run two bigs out there just with how how injured he is. Like, you're going to go with White and Horford and, and go small. And I thought the, the Warriors, especially late, did a really good job on the offensive glass. Um, I think Wiggins had a putback. Looney, I think, got a couple offensive boards there. Draymond, despite his struggles in this game, I thought was pretty solid on the offensive glass. And so... Uh, it's just very it is, a, like you said, a huge swing factor um, for just what the Celtics can do um, with their lineups and just like how effective they can be, because when Rob Williams is healthy, he was a major deterrent around the rim. I thought like uh, Andrew Wiggins was he had one of that one of those turnovers where he just was driving. And then I thought he realized Robert Williams was there and was like, oh, shit, and just threw into the backcourt. Um, for another kind of sloppy turnover. I thought he had, uh, Robert Williams had a major impact on the, uh, on just deterring the Warriors from getting into the paint. And so if he's healthy, it's a huge uh, bonus for the Celtics. And if he's not, it uh, just makes their job so much harder heading into game five.
0: Any other yeah, players we should talk but- about?
2: Like, What do you think about Marcus Smart's performance? He had two early turnovers, and I thought, oh, buddy, this is not going to be great. Uh, But he was all right. He had finished with 18 points, but... I,
3: I was going to write about him because if they had won, I was going to write about him because I thought that third quarter, Steph was awesome, the Warriors were awesome, and Marcus Smart was the only thing for a while like keeping the Celtics
2: in it. He was the only one getting into the paint and, like that's been a pretty big thing for them throughout this postseason. is just like Marcus smart, dry, getting into the paint, using his size and just lifting up and having those like random little two point shots that are not really layups, but they're like close enough. Like that's been a major steadying force for their offense. And he did some of that there in the um, third quarter. But after that, it kind of all went away, but I thought he was like pretty solid. uh, But he like the rest of the team in the fourth quarter just didn't have it. Yeah,
3: see I I thought like, he had a great offensive rebound on the possession that he ended up hitting a three, I think. He had in the fourth quarter, he also threw the the foul on Jordan Poole that was the and one on the, the Jalen Brown thing. Um I just thought I thought he was pretty good now obviously he missed a couple of big shots like the three from the corner would have been huge um there was and and I guess in in some ways like he's in charge of getting them to to be organized and run the right offense and look for the right and, and guys. he's the one
2: who who often is the guy who's pushing the pace um and like and you could see him trying sometimes
3: and then nobody else was, was really running with him. And I felt like that frustrated him. I felt like he was pretty frustrated with the Celtics offense for a lot of the game. There was one possession in the first half when I think Derek white was supposed to like, I don't, I don't even know what Derek white was supposed to do, but Marcus Martin looked at him and was like, what the fuck man? And you could just see it on his face. Like, like, what the fuck? And he's gesturing at Derek White and Derek White's looking over like he has no clue what's going on. And there were like ten seconds left on the shot clock and Smart just decided, Fuck it. I'll go make a play. And he ended up making a good pass to Horford and then Horford drove and found Smart again for like a decent shot. But it was it was clear for for a number of possessions in that game that Marcus Smart was not happy with the Celtics execution and he was not pleased with what some of his teammates were doing. And, uh, I get I mean, he's the point guard that, that's sort of on him, but also if guys just aren't doing what they're supposed to, like he, <laughs> he looked pissed off. I'll just say that. he looked pissed off. Um, Yeah, I just thought, I don't know, they have to find a way to score in the paint more consistently. And they did a great job of it in game three. Like, they were relentless in game three, getting the paint, driving, getting by guys. And in game four, especially in the key moments of game four, they just weren't able to puncture the defense in the same way. And I think the Warriors deserve a lot of credit. Like, their defense
2: is really good. It was really good. Defense. Yeah. Clay Thompson and Wiggins were just, like, not – The Celtics, it's not for lack of effort. Like, they were trying to get in the paint. Like, like they just think uh, Clay and Wiggins did a much better job of uh, just, like, bodying them and just not letting those easy drives happen. Yeah.
3: And I thought Clay – like, Clay was really good. I know I said that earlier, but Clay was – he was keeping guys in front of him. He was forcing guys to to make the next pass rather than go up for a, for a shot. Like Clay, Clay, Clay was really really impactful down the stretch, um, and I I just felt like for whatever reason the Celtics were not able to find. Like to pick on the weak parts of the Warriors' defense.
2: Yeah, I they think Poole didn't. and Curry were on the court for a lot of that stretch. Like it was just uh, unable to get to that matchup either because the Celtics weren't doing it fast enough or um, I don't know. I just like, think they, they did not punish Curry or Poole in a way that we've seen them do earlier in the series. Yeah, for sure. And I
3: I was surprised they didn't test Steph more than they did. Um, Just coming off the injury and everything at the end of Game 3. Obviously, he ended up being okay. He had 43. He was all right physically. Uh, But I I was a little surprised that they didn't do more to test him, especially after he picked up his first foul a minute into the game. I just felt like like, they kind of let an opportunity pass by there by not going at him a little more and trying to get him tired, trying to force him to defend actions. Um, yeah, and, and maybe, in Maybe game... I'm I misremembering. Like, maybe I just didn't, didn't notice that they were going at him a lot. But it felt like in game three when he got some foul troubles early, in foul trouble early, they were just relentless hunting him. And they weren't they weren't nearly as as committed to that. And obviously, he didn't have the same level of foul trouble, but but maybe he would have gotten there if, if after he got that first foul early, they went after him.
2: No, in Game 3, it felt like there was multiple times where they were going after him and they got Tatum on Curry and forced the Warriors to actually double Tatum and pass out of it. And it just didn't feel like, for whatever reason they could get those kind of opportunities there in game four, it like did think like a lot of the Celtics isolations came against the Warriors, better defenders. And so I think if, if you are going to like kind of get into that isolation game, it feels imperative that you get kind of the best matchup possible. And to me, that's going against Curry and Poole rather than uh, Thompson and Wiggins. Before we get to the callers, there's two, Qualms I have with um, I got qualms. One
3: oh, you got a qualms
2: is with uh the in-house DJ, and one is with you, J King. But I will start with the in-house DJ. We talked about the moment you um, Jalen Brown like Curry throws the ridiculous turnover. Jalen Brown steals it, goes to the rim. Um, they get the foul call. During that timeout, Jay, did you happen to to notice what song they played? (laughs) No, I
3: definitely did not.
2: They were playing Dirty Water by the Standells. The song that they play after the Red Sox win the game. It is the winning song for the Red Sox. It is a song that you only play once a win occurs. You cannot play that song with 7 minutes and 32 seconds left in the fourth quarter. It just creates a bad vibe. And you know what happened after that? The Celtics did not make a two-point shot. They only had two field goals for the rest of the game after you play dirty water with seven minutes left. I thought it was a, an uh, abomination of DJing that um, I just that you can't do that. It's the finals, and it's, uh, uh, it's not time – I've been to a, many and many Celtics games over the past eight years. I've never once heard heard the Red Sox victory song during the middle of the game. I thought it created some bad vibes out there in the Celtics. I thought it was absolutely poppycock. Poppy I thought it was poppycock a thousand percent. And um, speaking of poppycock, the turncoat Jay King, I thought you were my brother in arms in our anti-red panda pop propaganda and then she puts on one performance in the NBA Finals where she does the exact same show she's been doing for a decade, and all of a sudden you're calling her the GOAT on the timeline. Explain yourself.
3: You know who else does the exact same show every time? The Amazing Sladek? Sladek.
2: Yeah, no, I realized that last time Sladek was in town. I was like, oh, man. You know who else does the exact same show?
3: Everybody else. You know who had a much worse show? Nelly.
2: I heard Nelly was bad. I heard that, I, word on the street said Nelly could, uh, was not performing to, to the top.
3: Nelly probably sang like four out of every 30 words. <laughs> so, <laughs> but here's my thing with Red Panda. I've always said that she is a one-trick person. A bowl dropper who doesn't always master that trick. Now, I went into this game. It was a finals game. It was the bright lights on her. It was as pressurized as a halftime situation can get. And I went into that saying, if if Red Panda wows me today, (laughs) then I need to give her credit because – she's been through a lot in her career. She's gone through ups and downs. She's, she's dropped bowls. She has repeatedly failed to, to finish the final kick with the six bowls on top of her head. And, and I knew that if, if she came through in that moment, then it was grit, it was determination it was it was genius oh my god so so when she went after I had seen her just really struggle to to finish that over the last couple of years i just knew i i was watching it go no it's
2: a nice it's a nice story but it's a a a crock of shit jay king uh you want to know what really happened you want you want me to tell you what really happened jay king is there and you know what he's just feeling the pressure of the national media environment it's uh, it's absolutely circus at the every single national reporter is there I think the athletic had eight reporters, ESPN eight reporters. It's like no. there's there's Brian Windhorst, there's David Aldridge, there's all these this isn't what happened. There's all these national That's not people. What at and all. Jay King got scared of his take. He knew that he still Bradford. has hate for Red Panda in his heart, but he got scared. He had Scott Van Pelt re- responding to his tweets and he was just unwilling to be principled, to be a principled Bradford. man and stand on your criticism backer backer
3: you you're just false here you you can talk to Himmelsbach. you can talk to bontemps i alerted them but far before halftime that you know i i was it was going to it was going to take a huge showing from her to change my mind but what made you woo me.
2: what made you open to that wooing it was the lobster in the pregame meal when you're seeing Zach Lowe hanging out there, you're just you're scared of all these national people thinking that uh, they're going to judge you for your anti-Red Panda takes.
3: No, see, see I, I would have relished in, in being the smart man among a bunch of idiots if, if that was the case. But sometimes greatness slaps you in the face. <laughs> and in this case, Red Panda... You know, I, I, I thought that she wasn't at her sharpest anymore. I thought that, you know, may, maybe she was, I don't, I don't want to say past her prime, but, but on the downside of her career. <laughs> on
2: the downslope, on the back nine of her career.
3: And, and for her in that moment.
2: Oh, this is a sick. Perfect
3: moment. routine. And and, to, and and you look around at the crowd and it's, this is a, a finals game, this is a crowd that's thirsty, literally thirsty for, for alcohol and you look around most of the people are sitting in their seats watching greatness and, and as I witnessed that I, I, w- I realized that I wasn't wrong over the years <laughs> She she had slipped. She had had allowed her one trick to to be less than sharp. But but goddamn, if she didn't rise to the moment, and goddamn, if if she didn't make the finals halftime show, her bitch. <laughs> I don't I, know. I, I, I didn't. I didn't that. see. It. I can respect someone. I didn't watch who, who lives up to the moment and who brings her finest effort at the most important out there's there's nothing like that so well I salute her I salute her I, you know what riding on a unicycle and kicking balls on your head is not easy <laughs> <laughs> and I I've, I've acknowledged that over the years but but when you do it to the level that there are no flaws in your routine, and, and you prove your mastery yet again, I, I was literally bowing down to her at halftime. I wow. I literally bowed down.
0: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick Sporting Goods.
4: Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com.
2: Well, Jay, if you're the type of person who respects someone performing at the highest levels and someone who's really honed their craft over a long period of time, then I think you're going to respect this next uh, caller. Joshua B., come on down. Can you follow in Red Panda's greatness? Thank you. Yeah, I hope
1: I can deliver a good performance like Draymond Green. So good. I think he has more (laughs) podcasts than he has field goals at this point in the season. Tell me more about Otto Porter Jr. and how effective both his points were in game four and how it was such a brilliant decision to start him in place of Looney. What about the amazing Gary Payton II who had five points or Kevon Looney with six points or the incredible zero points that you got from Bialica? And before you say I'm ignoring the majority of the stats, I'm talking about five of the nine players that the Warriors played and you have to have five players on the court at all times. In the words of Zach Harper of the Basketball Buds, we've seen the story before. You've seen one superstar try to beat the Celtics before. You've seen Giannis Antetokounmpo, Butler, and now you're seeing Steph Curry. It's different, sure, but it's the same. It's a superstar rising to the top. It's different. It's
3: superstar it's rising different. to the, Step, top of the top. Steph's ridiculous. While
1: the rest of the team tries to carry the day, and how different is the name Andrew Wiggins from the name Drew Holiday, from the name Bam Adebayo? The number two guy still plays good, good. We have good games here and there, and we all gather after the loss to worry. If we commit twelve or more turnovers, just like Ime said, we struggle. And if we commit less than twelve turnovers, we win. It's yes. greater than twelve. Give the Warriors credit for some of it, but also admit that the Celtics were making some extremely dumb cross court passes and not coming to the ball to make space needed to make those open.
3: That one Tatum pass off. We give so, I
1: will give credit to Math for determining. The
3: one that Wiggins that Wiggins intercepted was was horrific.
1: I noticed that the conversation about the Warriors' third quarter – on, Josh. – to be fall down.
3: Josh. Yeah. D- do you have – did you write this down?
1: I want to be good for you. Last time, <laughs> I my, last time I reached my maximum Joshness, and I wasn't allowed to finish, and that's okay, but I realized I was off my game, and I had to deliver a Red banda <laughs> performance. So I did. I did write it down. I thought about what I was thinking about, and I made sure to deliver good for you. I'll get to my question. Fine. The Celtics have gone back and took back and forth in two series, back to back games with the Heat. And- You're a legend, Josh. You're a fucking legend. And now they are in the middle of a back and forth series against the Golden State Warriors. What evidence have you seen that makes you think that when the Celtics feel the desperation, that they won't respond with a win? Especially in consideration that they haven't lost a game, lost back to back game since February, and for the rest of the series. If the Celtics win game five, do you think having Scott Foster, whom the Celtics have an undefeated playoff record with when he referees warrants me going to bet MGM proud sponsor of the athletic to place a bet with Scott Foster's help that the Celtics will close the door on the Warriors in game six.
2: Oh, wow. Even getting the, the sponsor in there. That was, that was <laughs> an electric performance. <laughs> that was a red boat. That was a red panel. That was good stuff. Um, This first statement about how all the other Warriors players are not great. um, I would agree, but I don't think it matters because Steph is that good. His next statement about the Celtics bouncing back. I think it's a very solid point. I don't think there's like a, a huge, huge cause for concern. I mean, there is in that it's the NBA finals and there's only like so many opportunities you have. And like, Every game is uh, like they did squander an opportunity there in game four, but it's not like the series is over. And I have fully confident in the Celtics bouncing back and winning game five. Like, I don't think winning on the road is going to be an issue for them. I don't think um, like they clearly have responded very well to a loss in every, in this entire postseason. So I don't think it's like the Celtics are, are doomed by any means, but Steph Curry's is, is is ridiculous, and that like ha, like there's only so many times you can just go out, keep going up against these great players, and um, you know, like prevailing in the end. I do think the Celtics respond very well to losses, but you know what? It would have been nice to see how they respond to being up three one. my
3: that's my hot take. Yeah, I do think as much as they've shown in responding to losses and winning on the road and basically reaching another level when their backs are against the wall. You can't just rely on that every time. Maybe you can. Maybe you can. Maybe but, you can. I mean, they win game five, they is, can lose
2: game six, and then win game seven. They just,
3: you can't. It's, it's a possibility. It is, it is terrifying for a team to need to now at two to two go into Golden State and fend off Stephen Curry and fend off a Warriors team with a core that has accomplished quite a bit. Like that's that's terrifying. That is that is really scary. <laughs> and and As good as the Celtics have been after a loss, as good as they've been on the road, all it takes is one incredible game from Steph, and this series could be over. Like one more, they win at home. If the Warriors win at home in Game Five, and then he has a next-level game in Game Six, it's over.
2: That's it. You're still there, Jay. I lost you there for a second. I'm back, baby. Back and better than ever. All right. Final call.
3: The of airline the day from tried William. calling me. That's what happened. The airline tried calling me. I got, I got shoved. I just, I just ignored the, the airline that I've
2: been waiting for a call from for three hours because I'm committed to the podcast. Right, well, we appreciate that. But we also need to figure out a way to get you to uh, San Francisco for Game 5. Let's yeah, see. that would be nice, too. <laughs> All right. Final call of the day from William B. William Bill. How's it going?
0: Oh, good. Thank you. I appreciate this. This is a fun service that you guys are providing.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's a fun service you're providing.
0: <laughs> well, you haven't heard the question yet. Uh,
3: yeah, I guess we'll see.
0: I, I saw the the one time I saw the, uh, the Celtics try to double Steph, they got burned with a layup. Is there any kind of defense that they can throw at him? No, I think it's it's, <laughs> it's <the> really. Question.
2: <laughs> i really I do think <laughs> they're they're doing a good job like there's a lot of complaints about them being in drop. I thought the Celtics were like better about not being as far down with the that second guy, but I don't think the answer is doubling Steph or blitzing Steph or trapping Steph. like the warriors are just too good going four on three. I think we saw that happen. It just ended up with like a very easy loony layup. Like, the Celtics with Derek White and Marcus Smart. And that's when Draymond gets yeah.
0: off
3: too. Like, they've done a great job of limiting Draymond. If they start doubling, all of a sudden, Draymond is a factor again.
2: And I think, like, Marcus Smart and Derek White have been very good at kind of getting over screens and, like, just making it a little bit more difficult on Steph. So I think, like, the way the Celtics are playing defense is, like, probably the best way to do it. It's just that Steph is Steph. Like, he doesn't... He needs so little space to get his shot off that, like... Maybe it's trapping just because, like, then you'll be giving up twos instead of threes. But, you know, like, Steph was a what, 50% from three? Like, I, I just don't know what the answer is uh, because he's just that good. And I think they're just, like, they're playing, I think, very good defense on him. It's just um, it's not – I mean, it, like, it, it's just Steph is Steph, man. There's not, there's not a lot you can do. I've, I've got an answer.
3: I've got an answer. And it won't totally shut off Steph.
2: And he'll still be hell but it doesn't sound like much of an answer. Then (laughs) Play better offense. Ooh, that was, that is, well, that's an amazing answer. I'm sorry. I doubted you. That is the answer. The the Celtics offense. When
3: it has bad stretches has just bled into the defense time after time during this playoff run. Every time the bucks made a run, it seemed like it was because the Celtics just fucked up. (laughs) Like, Every time the heat started surging, it was because the Celtics threw turnovers and settled for bad shots. And the Warriors, I think LeBron tweeted it, like, "If, if you have bad shot selection, if you have turnovers, they kill you. And they kill you because then you're scrambling against Stephen Curry, and you're against him in transition and it's a hell of a job, hell of a task to try to accomplish, even if you're in the half court set. But if you if you fuck up offensively, it just it just goes into the other end. And I thought that happened a few times down the stretch where they'd miss shots. They rushed shots. They had some turnovers and it got the Warriors flowing a little bit. And so that's, that's my, that would be the thing that, that I would really point to is shore up the, the iffy shot selection, shore up the turnovers and that will have a huge impact on, on the defense at the other end. The, I'm looking at cleaning the glass stats right now. Golden State scored 83.9 points per play, points per 100 plays in the half court, which was in the 18th percentile of all playoff games this season. So the Celtics, as good as Steph was, as transcendent as he was, they did a fantastic job in the half it was the transition that got them, and their own offense. And if you play bad offense against Golden State, it hurts you twice. It hurts you when you don't score, and it hurts you when they score right back at you. And and that's kind of been the one of the stories of the series, and that helps Poole get going. It helps Clay get going. And Steph doesn't need help, but. But, but when he's in transition, man, like, good fucking luck.
2: Wow. Wise wise words from the kid, Jay King, who hopefully he can call back the airline and find himself a way to get to San Francisco for game five. I'll...
3: Yeah, they, them, them delaying my flight, which means I won't get in in time, essentially canceling my flight, isn't great. It's not great.
2: No, but... The kid needs to be at game, game 5. The kid does need to be at Game 5. I'm presuming, I'm hoping he will. I'll be here after Game 5. Uh, so if you guys enjoy the podcast and are listening here on the Athletic app, the podcast is anything is potable. Please subscribe. Give it five stars. Jay, is it, is it correct that you have not slept at all since Game 4?
3: That is and so crazy. is not
2: sleeping after a finals appearance and then going uh, on a podcast. San Sleep, would you say
3: that's potable? Anything.
0: Anything that's potable!